Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Anything can happen in this house. The power of God is here. We have faith to believe, and I know this congregation believes. We've we've seen too many miracles to not believe, and we know that God is with us. Amen? Praise God. So we're going to trust the Lord in all of this and uh, step out. Step out by faith. Amen? You catch that? Step out by faith. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. God bless you. We could all stand. We're going to bring Brother Smith to this pulpit, and we want him to take his liberty here. Uh, I'm very thankful for my friends, and Brother Smith has been a friend for many years, and um, I I, I know you might have a hard time thinking that Pastor has friends, but he does have friends. They might be few and far between, but we do have friends. But I thank the Lord for Brother Smith, and he's been such a, a strength to my life, my family, and our church here at Landmark, and um, uh, we're very grateful. Now, I call him Dad. I realize he's 39, but I'm 29, so I'm catching up to him. So we want him to come to this pulpit, and he knows he's got full liberty here tonight. And uh, I thank the Lord for him listening to the voice of God. Amen. Everybody say, God bless Brother Smith. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Isn't it good to be in God's house tonight? Oh, I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him. Hallelujah. I was just trying to think how long and how many years it has been. And uh, I'm not sure, I think Micah was either two or three the very first time that I come here. So uh, he's what, 25. So here I am. You haven't got rid of me yet. Isn't that amazing? I've tried to be very careful when I've come here that to speak to you, that to tell you if the Lord said or if I thought I've tried to make a difference in what I feel, what I think, what I'm impressed with, and what the Lord has said. And uh, I have come to you tonight with a combination of some things that I feel, that I'm impressed with, that I think, but I also have a theme that the Lord spoke to me concerning this church. And uh, I want to be careful not to say God said everything that I'm going to say, but there is going to be some things that it is God said. God said. It's good to see all of you on this beautiful, warm, marvelous spring night. Amen. What a, here it is April and we're still 
struggling with a little cold, but God's got it all in control. Good to see Sister Darlene Courtney and Sister Lillian here tonight. Glad that they have come. You'd think they'd get tired of hearing their pastor, but here they are, and I'm glad to have them. I'm going to be reading a couple of passages of Scripture tonight. I'm going to be reading 2 Kings chapter 5 and verses 1 through 3. I'm going to be probably doing things a little bit different than what I normally do, but just uh, I, I want to be careful and follow what the Lord has put in me and not be swayed by what I think you want. You see, there is a difference. There is a difference, and, it, and it's all right to want some things, but sometimes your wants can pull on my heart and my spirit so much that I, I yield to your wants rather than to what uh, the Lord has given me. But tonight, I do want to take the time because I, I'm going to establish uh, some foundational things tonight, and I do not speak that braggadociously. I speak that by the Spirit. I'm going to establish. I'm going to establish some things that are going to be foundational as they were in the very first time that I come to this church and dared to tell you that in a certain length of time you would double. And it happened. And when I come back, the excitement was so great and I made the statement to you the second time that I come back that this is not what God had, you will double again. And you did so. So I am telling you tonight that I am going to establish some foundational things here that will be just like it was in the very beginning. Because there's been a washing, there's been a purging and a purifying. This has nothing to do with people. Don't you walk out of here and say, well, Brother Smith said everybody left, that'd be purged and pure. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about a spiritual thing, and there has been, and now it's time for something else. Uh, after 2 Kings chapter 5, I'm going to be reading from Joel chapter 2. So here's the word of the Lord, and this is God's word, and this is powerful. I better put a lid on this or I'll be spilling it everywhere. In 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning to read with verse 1. Now, Naaman, oh Lord, he's going to preach on Naaman. Everybody in the world has preached on Naaman, dear Lord. We know Naaman. We know that story. Well, just hold on a little bit, okay? Captain of the host of the king of Syria was a great man. Now, that's the word of the Lord acknowledging that Naaman, a man that didn't even know God, was a great man with his master and honorable and because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria, he was also a mighty man in valor. But oh, here's, here's the downer. But he was a leper. You see, there's a lot of good people in this world. There's a lot of good people in this world and they're honorable, but they're lepers in the spiritual sense of it. You see, goodness does not save you, okay? And then verse two says, uh, going on, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid 
just a little girl. Historians say she was probably between the ages of eight and 14. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't even know when her birthday was. I'm just telling what historians said. And she waited on Naaman's wife. She was an integral part of their household. She said unto her mistress, now this is, this is so powerful that I don't think I quite understand it. Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are in your hands. We are the clay and you are the potter. Mold us in this service tonight as you will. Work according to your power and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now you can be seated, but I want to read again from the book of Joel chapter 2 in just a very short verse of 25. It's instrumental to what I want to say here tonight. Joel 2 and 25. He says, and I will restore, I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the pommel worm, my great army which I sent among you. I wish the Lord would let me preach on those particular pestilences and things that are there because they're very significant and are good for us to know, but that's, I'm not even going that direction. But I want you to notice, he said, I will restore to you. I will restore to you. And then in conjunction with what the little girl said to Naaman's wife, would God that my Lord were with a prophet that he would be recovered from his leper. You see, recover, restore, recover. So I'm, I want to talk tonight. And, and if you're waiting on me to preach, you're just going to wait a long time because I'm, I'm probably not going to do any preaching tonight. I'm, I'm going to do some foundational work. You know, when you do foundational work, uh, it, it's hot and sweaty and it, it, it doesn't look pretty. But without the foundation properly uh, established, the building is in vain. It will collapse on itself. I want to talk to you tonight for a little bit from this thought, the power of restoration, the power of restoration. Now, I want to make this statement to you and you can write it down. There are historians that are here that you write things and it's in your Bible or in your notes. You go ahead and write this down. This is a word from the Lord for this church. It, I'm not preaching to another church. I'm not preaching to another group. This is for landmark. And that word from the Lord is, this is your day of renewal, of revival, and of restoration. That is the word of the Lord. Now, you, you remember, I've been here a long time and may never get to come back after tonight, but I've never told you God said in vain or lightly. I'm telling you God said to me that this is your day of renewal, of revival, 
of restoration. You would think that these three concepts are one and the same, but yet there is a little difference in the connotation of each of these concepts. The, the word uh, renewal is simply the act of beginning again or making anew. We don't use that terminology anymore. It's more of the obsolete language, uh, but it's still so appropriate for this time. It is the act of making anew. So what God is doing, God's not going to give you something new because the word of God is not new. Now it should be renewed in our hearts every day. But it's not new. And if I get up here and give you a rhema, arutas, and I get off track from the logos, then my rutas and my rhema mean nothing. You see, there's a portion of the church world that are more engaged in the rutas or the rhema than they are in the logos. That's where, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. Oh, I need a word. Well, I tell you what, the word you need is the Logos. I believe in the Raymond, the Rutas, which is the anointed word for specific times, purposes, all that kind of stuff. But it cannot contradict the word of God. What I'm trying to tell you tonight is God is going to take the core group of this landmark sanctuary and church that have been faithful when it's up and you've been faithful when it's down. You've been faithful when the sun's shining and you've been faithful when the rain is falling. You've been faithful in the calmness of the sea and you've been faithful in the billowing waves that threaten to sink the boat. You have been faithful. And because you have been faithful, God is going to act again like he is just beginning all over again. I've tried to tell you the word of the Lord is he's bringing you back. You've got to go back to go forward. You've got to go back in foundational experience. You've got to go back standing upon the principles of God's holy word. Renewal. Now that means also that within the end, see the church is, is a twofold or two-edged sword. It's the corporate body. All of you together are the corporate body, part of the ecclesia, the ecclesia, the called out, the chosen ones. We're not all of the church that God has, but we are part of the church that God has in this world today. See, so the church corporately is a body. But I'm going to tell you, the church moreover is me. That's that poignant pause. I'm trying to let that sink in. I, you know, we love our pointing finger, don't we? Don't tell me you don't love that pointing finger. You love it. You get mad at your kids. You get mad at the pastor. You get mad at your husband, your wife. We love it. And, and if, if we're caught doing wrong, the first reaction of anyone caught doing wrong is to get mad at the person that saw them doing the wrong. And that's when we do this. So I want everyone here to take this finger. You're not cooperating. Okay, thank you. Some of you back there not holding your finger up. Don't make me come back to you. And I want you to say this. I... 
Oh, that's kind of weak and puny. Let's try it over. Say, I, I am the church. So if you criticize the church, you're criticizing yourself. If you say the church is not doing right, you're saying I'm not doing right because I am the church. I am what makes the church a reality. And God is not only renewing and going to bring you into a process of renewal as a corporate body, he is going to bring you as an individual into that same arena where some of you feel like you are weighted down with 200 pounds of weight on you. You feel like your prayers go about that high and then boom, they fall down. You, you feel like that you wake up tired because you just can't seem to get, why? Because we are in a spiritual struggle. We are in a spiritual warfare and it's time for us to recognize I've got to quit carrying this load by myself. I have to share with him. He is my burden bearer. He is the one that when I fall down will pick me up and I cannot help you. I cannot solve your problems. I, I cannot answer your needs, but I know a man who can, and I can pray, and I can activate upon the altars of the prayers of the saints of God. I can remind God, you said you would do it. Renew me day by day. Every morning, let those mercies, let that peace, let that joy be renewed in me. Renewal. And then that brings us to revival. 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 What is revival? It means return to consciousness. <laughs> After unconsciousness. Anybody know what lethargy is? Anybody know what complacency is? That's not revival. Some people are not happy unless they're sad. See? Some people love having their own individual pity parties. Well, we're unconscious because God is not into pity. Hello? God is into bringing you back to awareness, bringing you back to consciousness. It, oh, if, if I could just understand that it is a reawakening. Yes. You see, you can't, you can't be born again time and time and time again. You can only be born again once. Just like you're born once into this life, you can't enter back into your mother's womb and come back out. So it is in the spirit, doth not nature itself teach you that we cannot be born again more than once, but we can be brought back to consciousness. We can be reawakened. We can, oh yes, we can backslide. And that's when we go into that unconscious state and our complacency and our lethargy grips us. But oh, there is a revival that is waiting and if I want this corporate body called Landmark to have 
have revival. I, as an individual, am going to have to have revival. I don't care if nobody else has revival in today's world. This old boy is going to have revival. This old white-haired man's not going to sit back and let COVID and let all the wars and let the economy and let all of this stuff sap my joy. I'm here to tell you the joy of the Lord is my strength and I'm going to have revival. Now you do what you want to do. You do what you want to do. I'm going to have revival. I, I, I got to watch the time. I have a bad habit of not paying attention to time. Now let's go into the third concept here, which is restoration. You see, there were 10 lepers that were healed. But how many come back? Now, the, the other nine live the rest of their life healed. But minus fingers, a nose, an ear, a toe, a hand. They were healed, but they weren't restored. Who was restored? The one that come back to the healer. The one that come back to the only one that could restore. So, I've been here enough that I've gone through some ups with you. I've gone through some downs with you. And I've gone through God knows what with you. But I feel that after God spoke this word to me about renewal, revival, and restoration for this individual body that is part of the kingdom of the worldwide body of Christ. I feel like that there is going to usher into here a new dimension of God's spirit and the, and the weight and the oppressive force of, of the enemy that even though we, we shout and we rejoice, there is still something inside of us that is just striving and fighting and beating and all of that. But God is going to bring us back to original condition. We are going to be returned to the original. Oh, I wish. And when you're restored, it involves both renewal and revival. And when you put the three together, that threefold card cannot be broken. It doesn't matter what you see. It doesn't matter what you hear. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what anyone says or does not say. When I have this threefold card operating in my life, then I am unstoppable. I saw a friend of mine of many, many years going back to the 1950s. And he said, they tell me you're still active in ministry. Yeah, I am. In fact, they tell me you're pastoring a church. Yeah, I am. They said, you're too old to be doing that. Said, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I know when I first come to church, you were in church, and I know how old I am. Said, you're just too old. Why in the world, at your age, are you still out there fighting it? He, he said, I could not wait 
until the time that I could walk away from the pulpit and retire. I'm telling you, I can't even envision that. I can't even imagine that. I am way past the age of retirement because 39, you know, is... I could have been and could retire today. The Lord has been good to me. I could retire today, but why? Now, maybe there's some that I'm pastoring that wish I would retire. I don't know. Be that as it may. But I have a threefold card in me. I do better with my health, with my feelings, as long as I'm involved in ministry. When I go off and preach and I come back, I am stronger than I was when I left. Because what is it? Oh, did not the prophet say, this is the rest wherewith you cause the weary to be rested. And I'm gonna tell you, if you quit being a cistern, and cistern is not the plural of sisters. Well, you say, well, if brother is one, if brethren is many, then sister is one, sister. No, no, a sister, C-I-S. Anybody here even know what a sister is? It's just a large container. Houses used to have that. They didn't have, they didn't have the water lines and all that. That is sister. And, and that's where you got your water to, to operate your house. But it stagnated. There's bugs in it. There's all kind of creepy crawlies in it. There was scum on it. Why? Because it was not ever flowing. It was not living water. It was just a dead vat. And too many people have made their experience with God like a cistern. We go to church Sunday, we fill it up, and then we try to live on it until the next Sunday. Some people can't make it from Sunday until Monday, let alone from Sunday to Sunday. And we wonder why. Well, you know, I, I felt so good at church and I felt like everything was going to be all right and then I get up Monday morning and wham, it's all gone because you haven't plugged into the artesian well. The artesian well is ever flowing. Out of your belly shall flow rivers, not droplets, not rivulets, but rivers of living water. So we've got to learn how. And, and here's something God's been dealing with about, and it, it's, just, it, it's just me. It's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to change anybody's doctrine or anything. And, and uh, some of them might, might think, well, you're, you're, you're denying the, the word. Well, no, I'm not. I'm, uh, I, I'm not a carpenter. But I have done some building. And I owned a construction company. But thank God I didn't have to go out there and do any of it. I just had to sign the contracts and make sure the crews were out there. But um, there are some of you in here that are pretty good carpenters, right? You build things. And if you've got a 10-foot board and you want to cut 10 individual equal parts off of that board, you measure the old-timers. It would measure the first cut and then they would cut it. And then they would use that first cut as their model. And if they did not, but if they just took the newest cut 
and used it, by the time you got to the end of the 10 foot, you would have a few inches or a couple of inches of board left because you lose something with each cut if you don't go back to the original. Are you seeing where I'm trying to go with this? And we use the term apostolic. We want to be apostolic. And, and I, was, I was talking to the Lord about it here about three months ago it was. And I said, you know, God, we got to be apostolic. We, 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 I want to be apostolic. Oh, God, you got to help me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching out for it. And he said, I don't want you to be apostolic. Woke me up. Shocked me. What do you mean, God? He said the apostolics were the first cut, but I am the original. I want you to be like me. Now, I don't mind telling you, I'd like to be like the apostle Paul. I'd like to be like the apostle Peter, but he didn't call me to be like Peter or Paul. He called me to be like Jesus. Jesus is the original. So I'm, I'm, I'm not using the term terminology apostolic as much anymore. I'm using the term, I'm gonna be like Jesus. Uh, and we got to be like him in more than our words. And let me tell you, Acts 2.38 is only the entryway. It is not the fullness of the gospel. I believe in it. I believe that you've got to repent and be born again. I believe that you've got to repent and be baptized in water with the name Jesus called over you. Then you have the promise to receive the Holy Ghost and after you get it I believe that you've got to live a life that is pleasing unto God but that's not all of God's word that's just the introduction we've got to get into our daily you can talk in tongues all day long and be lost because tongues is not salvation the tongues are only a momentary evidence of life that has come in you but it is the life that you live day after day after day that is proof of the Holy Ghost and we need to start proving the Holy Ghost in our lives Hey, I don't like to hear this. I always thought doing that other stuff. So, is anybody in this building tonight born again? Yes. You didn't convince me. I don't think you made the devil nervous either. Maybe I ought to ask you again. Is anybody in this service born again? Yes. Okay. I'm going to make a statement. Probably wouldn't hurt you to write it down. When we are born again, we may have memories, but we do not have a past. Should I say that again? When we are born again, we may have memories, but we do not have a past. What do you mean? A drunkard comes in, born again, that past no longer exists. You see, your sins can only be remitted once. And that's when you first come to God in repentance and in water baptism for the remission of your sins. But from that, now let me see if I can illustrate that. So if, if we come to God and we, we repent and we receive the Holy Ghost, then our, our sins are remitted. So that means 
that what has been written on the pages of the book of our life are ripped out, thrown away, discarded. They don't exist. And God inserts a brand new page in the record of your life. And from that day, everything you do is recorded in the book of life. Well, what if I fail? What if I do something? Then he takes white out. It's called the blood. He takes white out and whites through it. But you can only have your sins remitted once and that's when you first come to God. That's the only time you can be born again. You can't just keep getting born again, born again, born again. The prodigal just has to get up and say, I'm tired of the hog slop. I'm tired of being with the hog. I'm going back to my father. Oh, we say, he said he was going back to his father's house. No, he said, I'm going to my father. I don't care about the riches. I don't care about the prestige. I just want to go back to my father. I want his love. I want his mercy. I want him to be real in my life. You see, Naaman was a great leader. He was the greatest general of history in that time. He was a formidable foe, but he was a leper. And there was no cure for leprosy. There was no hope for anyone with leprosy. You just lived until you die. God took one little girl and made her a slave without explaining to anyone why. He ripped her away from her mother and family. He ripped her out of her safe home and he sent her hundreds of miles away without any explanation to anyone. Quit saying, why God? Why is the greatest grievance against God because it's connected to an evil heart of unbelief? God prepared her as a little girl to change the world in which she was enslaved. God sent her to speak one sentence. There's no history in scripture, no reference in scripture anymore. One sentence is all God sent her to do. What was it in the third verse? And she said unto her mistress, would God that my Lord, my master was with the prophet. That's why she is ripped out of her home. That's why she is taken out of her mother's arm. That's why she was taken 100 miles away so that she could give this one sentence, this one sentence. In other words, she was saying to her mistress, I wish Naaman could know my preacher. My preacher's got the good. And if you don't feel that way about your preacher, you need to be in this altar repenting right now. You'll never rise above that. Oh, you work? No, we don't worship anybody. But I understand a little bit about military because my dad was a military man. He retired as a command sergeant major. And there's a world of difference in being a sergeant major and a command sergeant major. He understood the order. And though he was the highest rank in enlisted ranks, 
he had opportunity to go to officer school. He said, no, why would I want to give up being command sergeant major to be an officer? Yes, a lieutenant outranked him. Yes, a captain, a major, a lieutenant colonel, a colonel, they all outranked him, but they knew not to go against him. Case in point, there was a major that got into it with my dad and, and my dad said, sir, that's, that's not the way it needs to go and that's, that's, that's a mistake. And of course, the major got very angry and he stood him at attention. My dad because he understood the order, stood at attention. And he raked him over the coals and said, I am a major. I outrank you. You will do it exactly like I say to do it, or I will have you up on charges. My dad said, yes, sir. Saluted. Major walked out of my dad's office. My dad walked out of his office, went three doors down to the commanding general and said, General, I want to be transferred immediately. I want out of here. The general said, no, we don't want you out of here. He said, I will not stay. If you will not transfer me, I will resign and will retire. The general said, you're not going to do that. What's going on? He said, well, you've got a choice, General. You can keep the major or you can keep me. But if you keep the major, you can't keep me. The general said, that is no problem, and that's not a hard decision, and cut orders that day for the major to be transferred away. I wish that we had that concept. That when the enemy comes to us and says, I've been around a long time and it overwhelms our flesh and we cannot fight him in our flesh and we cannot fight him with our physical strength. I wish, oh, we, we may have to take it because we, we can't fight. But when we go to the one that is above all, when we go to the king of kings, when we go to the Lord of lords, we say, God, okay, got a choice here. Either he's gonna overwhelm me and I'm gonna be out of here. And God says, Oh no, he's got to go because he said he's under your feet. He's not equal to you. He is not above you. He is under your feet. Before Calvary, he was referred to as the prince of the world. But after Calvary, he was referred to only as the prince of the powers of the air. He has no real kingdom. He has no, the only way he can get in is if you open the door and I have a sign on my door. You are not welcome. I have evicted you from my life. You cannot come back under any circumstances. Oh, I wish we understood that. You see, faith is trusting in advance. Now, I, I, I know. I know you'd rather me cut this off and start walking out there and telling you this and that and start. I understand that. But I'm trying to give you something that's going to change the dynamics of this church. The shifting of the paradigm of this church is already started. Faith is trusting in advance. Faith is trusting that the Red Sea is going to get parted while I'm looking at the waters. Faith is trusting that Jordan's gonna have great walls and we're gonna walk across on dry ground. 
before the waters ever parted. Faith is trusting when I am sick that I am healed, even though I still have the symptoms and the signs. Now, I've got, I've got Sister Courtney, Sister Darlene here, and, and Lillian, and Lillian is very observant, probably too observant in a lot of ways, but she knows what's going on. She knows what's going on. Sunday morning, wasn't it Sunday? Yeah, it was Sunday morning. I, it's different when I go off, because I don't have to be a pastor. When I'm off, it's like I'm a surgeon. So I just hack, cut, cut, whack, whack. Then I sew you up and I put you back under the care of your family doctor, which is the pastor. So I'm family doctor at Granite. But when I'm off, I'm not your family doctor. He and she are the ones that will take care of you. Okay? But I may hack on you a little bit and I may have to cut a, sometimes I'd like to cut some noses off, but it'll be that as it may. But I just ask for anyone that was sitting in our congregation that had been healed under the ministry that God had given me to come and stand at the front. Now, I was told last night there was only about 20. I, I don't know, I, that seemed a little, because the entire front was flooded with people. Was it not? Wasn't, wasn't it flooded down there? There was a lot more than 20 down there. And, and some of them, some of them, had one woman there was healed of arthritis. That's one of the hardest spirits that I've ever dealt with in physical infirmities is arthritis. There was another that, that, that had a tumor in the heart that could not be operated on, could not be radiated, could not have chemotherapy. And God dissolved it. There's another that had heart trouble and had been on medication for years, hasn't taken one heart pill in the last seven years. So it's real, friends. I'm not up here spouting to you something that I kind of hope happens. I kind of, you know, I, I kind of, I really wish, you know, I really, God, this is on my wish list. So I really, no, 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 no. I trust that God didn't tell me what he wanted for this church to not let it happen. I'm not sure that the great body of people that were gathered in the historical I called it hysterical building over there. Remember that building? Anybody here remember that building? That little old dinky building that didn't have the parking that you got on this platform outside. You had no way to grow. Couldn't do a lot with it because it was a historical. And I'm not sure that a lot of people that, that were there really believe because I specified, and I, I forget how many months, but I specified in so many months this church was going to double. And I didn't stutter when I said it. And if the Lord spoke to me tonight and said in six months you was going to triple, you know what I'd do? I'd say, you're going to triple. See, that's our problem. We've got to get into renewal, revival, and restoration. And when we do, you know what? We'll just accept it. My dad was a man of his word. He never promised me something that he didn't do. He always kept his word. And when we was out, he didn't, he didn't beat up on us and he didn't slap us around. Now, he had a lethal backhand when we got up older. Thought we was something. 
We found out we wasn't much of nothing. That little 125-pound man had one of the most lethal backhands in the world. We, we was big old boys. My brother's a big old boy and a lot bigger, and he thought he was tougher, and he this and that, and pow, and unconscious on the floor. <laughs> but when we was out and misbehaved, he had, <clears throat> <clears throat> and we'd look at him, and he'd say, well, he didn't say he just did. If he had to do it the second time, he'd say, when we get home, I have something for you. We knew it wasn't birthday cake. We knew it wasn't ice cream. And we became angel darlings. But it's too late. What he promised. Now, I can count on one hand the number of times my dad took his belt off and spanked me. He never abused me. He never had to backhand me because I watched him. I said, I got better sense. I don't enjoy pain. You may enjoy it. I don't. But he was a man of his word. And until the day he died, he lived his life. He was a preacher's best friend. He defended his pastor. In fact, he, he knocked a man sidewinding. That's what we called it back home. I mean, because he dared to be very disrespectful about our pastor. He got a, I think God was okay with it. <laughs> well, it ought to be, shouldn't it? But he was, and, and he lived his life. And I asked him one time, I said, Dad, you, you go way overboard with this and that. He said, because you are my son and you're in ministry. And I don't want you to reap anything that my actions would bring against you if I go against ministry or against God. Until the day he died, he never did. Whether he agreed with the pastor or disagreed, he never went against the pastor. Now, that's good for us to know right here also. But what's even more is we can't go against the head shepherd. I don't care how crazy it is. Do you think, it, you think it's easy to get up here and do what I do sometimes? I tell you what, I'll invite you up here to do it the next time I start it, okay? We'll just see. You think it's easy to stand in the pulpit and say, you're going to double in so many months and then come back. It was the first time that I ever went to the same church twice in a year. Because after you doubled that first time, you said, can you come back? And I said, I will. First time I'd ever done it. Because usually I made a year wait before I'd go back to a place so that I wouldn't become common to it. And, and I was in Indianapolis. And, and in fact, every time something happened here, I was preaching in Indianapolis. I'm going there in September, preaching my 60th revival in the same church. I buried two pastors. I've told the pastor who is there now, who is quite a bit younger than me, I said, I'll be around to for your funeral too. If you want me to, I'll preach yours just like I help preach the others uh, because I intend to be. So we're, we're going to have a big deal. But, but I was there and, and when you called me and said we doubled and, and I come back and I said it again. Now, it's a wonderful thing. W would you get happy if I told you right now you're going to double in three months? Well, you didn't act like it. You might could have claimed that promise if you'd have responded. The Spirit's like a dove. It is easily offended. 
Oh, what? Oh, my Lord, my time's gone. I got to quit. Here we go. Here we go. God said, renewal, revival, and restoration. God is endowing us tonight with the power of restoration. You say, well, I don't feel any different. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't I'm just, you know. That's because you're not, you're not hearing. Do you, do you wonder why it says having ears to hear, they hear not? Oh, the, the, the tone and the, and the vibrations and the volume is there. But you just say, oh, like a blonde joke. Oh, excuse me, I didn't mean to say that. Just right over your head. Right over your head. But God is endowing this church tonight. You see, we have depended and relied and translated emotional responses as the greatest move of God. But the greatest move of God is when I grip his word. Whether it is Logos, Rhema, Arutas, I grip his word and I bring it into my very being. And I said, let all hell assail me. I will not be removed from this place because God said it. God, I refuse to surround myself with negative speakers. I want to win those that Jesus died for. And that's the world. I don't care what they've done. I don't care where they've been. I don't care what their actions are. They are worth saving. I'm going to give you something very surprising. A statement that God gave to me. Satan is never Authorize to tread on you. You didn't hear that, did you? Satan is never authorized to tread on you. Under grace, in the Old Testament, yes, he was given leeway to do something, but not in the New Testament, not after Calvary, because after Calvary, it became Christ in me. So restoration, God has to grow us. God has to instruct us. God has to teach us. And, and this is not grammatically correct, but I, I'm going to say it and I hope you'll understand what I'm saying. God has to learn us how in order to mature us so that he can trust us with his power tools. Hold your grandson. Sit back there with Momo, whatever he calls him. Three. What's his name? Mars. Mars. Mark? Like, like the planet. Mars. Oh, like the candy bar. Like Mars Hill. <laughs> okay. Mars. You love him? Oh, Can he twist you around? Can he get his way just about on anything? But would you give him your power saw? Why not? You love him. You trust him. Yeah, so that he can take that guard and cut himself just a bit. Would you give him your power drill and say, go, go drill any hole you want to drill in this house? Why? You love him. But you know he's not mature enough 
Some people say, well, why won't God use me? Well, have you looked at your age lately? And, and let me tell you, maturity has nothing to do with age. I've seen some 40 years old that's about a five-year-old. Whiners. I'm glad you don't have any whiners in your church. Every time they come to you, it's whining. God is mature. Everything that this church has been through here at Landmark has not been random. It hasn't been happenstance. It hasn't been fate or karma. It has been God bringing us through the process to mature us. And so now then, you have come to that place of maturity because when everything that could be shaken loose was shaken loose, you remained. So now God is saying in this Wednesday night service with this crazy white-haired preacher, he is saying to every one of you that are involved in the kingdom, I'm giving you my power too. Oh, I thought maybe that might excite somebody. I'm giving you my power tools. Oh. So you're going to come out of your fear. You're going to come out of your doubt. You're going to come out, and you're going you're gonna to take the chainsaw, and you're going to cut the head off of the devil. And that spirit of depression that's like a blanket on you is going to be thrown off and cast into the fire because God said, I'm giving you my power to, power to tread on scorpion, power to tread on scorpion, power to overcome, power over all the power of the enemy. It's the power tools that God is giving to us. So he is calling you out of darkness tonight to tell you, feel the sun, S-O-N, shine on your face. It's time to prophesy, to proclaim that darkness is over. It's behind us. The light of his truth is shining. I'm calling you to a new day of new beginnings. I have released you to conquer your world. And your world is this area right here in Bethalto. This is your world. I am releasing you, God says, to conquer your world. I have been guilty, I confess, Confession good for the soul of asking God, now God, why is it that a lot of backslidden Pentecostals or Pentecostal preachers mess up and then they decide, well, they enjoyed the good feeling they got. So they, they start in their living room with four people and in six months they're running 4,000. A lot of the big churches, that's, that's where it began. But y'all been watching this. I've been, I've been watching this. I, I, come from the, I come from the latter rain movement. Sister, you remember the latter rain movement? She's one of the few old enough to remember it. I heard about it. You remember the Glory Tabernacle movement? That, I think that was a southern movement. I, I don't think it. I remember that. I remember the covenant movement. 
I remember the word movement. I remember the full gospel movement. I, I remember the ignorance of, of, of those. Tom and Frieda come to me one time and, and, and they didn't want to live right, so they just, they just started hearing rhema all around. Don't worry about that, that, this old stuff. That's old. It's boring. You don't have to worry about that. Here, I got you a fresh word. They come to me and said, we got a revelation for you. And I said, oh, what is your revelation? I said, well, this revelation is, this, this is it. This is our heaven. This is our hell. This is it. It's over. And I said, Frida, because she was the boss. I said, Frida, if this is hell, I rejoice. I'm thankful. But if this is heaven, I'm weeping. I'm so disappointed. I got news for you. This, you may be living in a little bit of hell or you may be living in a little bit of heaven, but this is not your heaven or your hell. But I've watched these movements. I watched them. I watched the latter rain. I watched the glory tabernacle. I watched the word, the covenant, the, the full gospel. I watched them. And, and oh, they just, they just encompassed the world. And then, and then along come the charismatic movement. Now, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I am not, I am not, do not go out of here and say I'm, I'm downing all of them. I'm just telling you, I've been doing this 62 years that I've been preaching. That's a long time. That's longer than you are old. And you're old. And gonna be old this year. Six decades. And I've watched them and everybody flocking, 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 flocking. And I've watched them. And I'm telling you, the charismatic movement as a movement is dying. Oh, I'm just telling you. All around, the, they built these mega churches seating four, five thousand. They're for sale now because they don't have enough people coming. Why? Because you can't live on ice cream all the time. You got to have some meat. In our part of the country, you got to have some rice and gravy. Up here it's taters and gravy, I guess. But you got to have some good food or your body will not grow. It will not be strong. And the truth is this. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you, to your children, to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort them saying save yourselves from this untoward generation and then he went on to say after you get that then you've got to present your bodies a living sacrifice not a dead sacrifice but a living sacrifice and when you get that renewal and you get that revival and you get that re restoration and that strong card in you let hell break loose I do not care I challenge the powers of hell I'm I'm not afraid of hell. I'm not afraid of demon spirits. I've fought them all of these years and will continue to do so until I die. Yes. Hasn't been that long ago there was a woman come into our church that was so involved in witchcraft. I'm talking about right there in Granite City. Hadn't been that many months ago. Full. She wasn't just that. She was Possessed. You see, we don't have much demon possession anymore. We just treat it with Prozac. <laughs> but there's still demonic possession out there. 
And she walked up to the front. I knew what the devil wants. You know what the devil wants? He wants to make a show. He wants to take the focus on him. So she walked down and the individual said, she wants prayer. And I knew that if I just did it like, you know, she wanted me to, I'd lay and she'd start all this. She might vomit up green pea soup. She might do all kinds of crazy things. And I thought, mm, no, we're not going to do that. I got, I got new people here. That'll scare the mud out of them. We can't have that. So I walked up to her and I could feel that building up to come out. And I just, before I put my hand on her head, I said, you will not speak. You will not move. You will do nothing except by the word that I speak unto you. And it was like something encased her. People sitting around didn't hear it. 99% of the church probably didn't even know it. And I bound that spirit and I cast it out of her. Don't ever cast the spirit out without binding it. Because if you just cast it out, it's going to find another home somewhere. So you bind it first and then you cast. And God delivered her. And all the people saw was me laying hands on her and her speaking in tongues. But they didn't know. Yeah, you know, if, if I hadn't have done that and I laid hands and she'd have started all that bucking and hucking and carrying all that kind of stuff. Then everybody would be, woo, look at that woman. And newcomers say, I'm out of here. I'm not going to do all of that. But we're not going to do that. This is our day. Let me tell you, Landmark, God's fixing to bring some people into this church that you don't know, that you have not invited. He is going to, you know why he's going to do it? Because you are going to invite some. If you'll do your part, God will do it. I'll just tell it like this. For everyone that you physically bring in here. God will bring three on his spirit uh, that you haven't invited. Uh, you say, I don't believe it. I know you don't. That's the problem. But we got to get it into our heart uh, that I have been given the power of restoration. Why don't we stand to our feet and worship the Lord here tonight. Let's magnify him. Let's bless his holy name. Let's give him honor and glory for he alone is worthy, worthy, worthy. Worthy, 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 Lord. Now, I know that, I, that this is not what you're supposed to do in quote-unquote revival services. I understand that. But I've given you what God gave me. You do with it what you want. You do. That congregation that was gathered over wherever that place was in that hysterical building, received the word when I said you will double. And because they received it, you doubled. And when I come back within six months, I believe it was, I come back and said, you think this is it? It's not. You're going to double again. And you did until you were packed like sardines in a can over there. And I come back and said, God, is going to do something unusual and he is going to make a way for you to have facilities that will accommodate what he wants to do here in Bethalto. Did I not say that? I was told I didn't say that, but I thought I remembered saying that. And I was again in Indianapolis. There's something about that connection there. 
when you called me, Brother Simonson and I were out for lunch and you just were so beside yourself and, and was shouting and thanking the Lord that God sent a tornado <laughs> and just destroyed that building. Couldn't sell it. Nobody wanted it, but had good insurance. Yes. And when I come and stood in this place with the hideous carpet and the hideous covering on the pews, it was hideous. I almost thought it was demonic. It just gave me the hibby-jibbies. I didn't like it at all. And I turned and asked you, do you like this? Would you like to have this? And God made a way. That's history, friend. That's history in this church. So if you will receive what I just said to you for everyone, for everyone that you bring, God will bring three compelled by his spirit. And when they come in, don't judge them. Don't condemn them. They don't have 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, or even a year of living for God. They're coming out of a dark place into light. And light, you know, it'll hurt you, and yet you got to get adjusted to it. So when they come in, you love them. You love them. And, and I'll say this, and then I'm going to give it back to you. It's way past time. Please don't pastor them. You got pastors. Keep your mouth shut, your nose on your own face and out of everybody else's business. And no, God's not gonna give you a word to go tell them unless you run it by your pastor and he releases you to do so because that's not God's way of doing things. The shepherds speak to the sheep. The sheep don't speak to each other. You know what sheep say? Oh, y'all remember. I preached on that years ago, didn't I? Sheep say bye. Thank you for letting me come. I don't know if I'll be here tomorrow night. I guess you'll let me know after service. But I've given you, I would rather have done the other. I love walking in the realm of the spirit. I love calling people. I love that. But I've given you what God gave me for you for this time. Are you gonna receive it? Holy Spirit, I pray tonight for this people that are gathered in this place, for this landmark assembly, I pray. May they be enshrouded in the covert of your wings. May the mighty winds of your spirit blow into every life and out of this building to the north and the south and the east and the west. May the power of God be kindled and rekindled within every heart. May the power of your spirit seize the hearts of those that don't know you but they're lost and they're hurting and they're helpless and draw them into this place. I bless this people and I loose the power of God to work here in Jesus' name. Why don't we give the Lord praise tonight? Let's give him a hand clap of praise. He is worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God, amen. I, I feel like that the Lord wants us to do something else here, and as I 
when we started the service out before I handed over to Brother Smith, um, I had said a, a word that we, we, we got to step out in faith. Step out in faith. And that's how you operate in faith. You step out in faith. And what I would like for us to do tonight before we leave this service, I want those that were here, and I know not everybody's here tonight, but those that were here during the time we were in the old building and we heard those prophecies that spoke about doubling in the next six months, that's when it was, and then he said doubling in the next year, and then a prophecy over the building that in uh, six to eight weeks, God was going to move us out of that building. It was very specific. And yes, Brother Smith, you did say it, and we heard it. I was there. Others were there. But I want to ask those that were here during those times of those prophecies that seen these things come to pass, I want you to step forward to this altar, and I want you to lead the way. We're stepping out by faith. And we're leading the way for the rest of the congregation here today. Amen. Here's the thing. I want you to turn around and face the congregation here tonight. We were here then. We heard the word. And we believe it now. Amen. Amen. And I want us. They've led the way. They've, they've experienced. We've seen so many miracles in this church but I want the rest of the congregation, I want you to come forward here tonight. We're going to come together, but I want you to walk in faith. If you believe the word that has been spoken here tonight, amen, what Brother Smith has prophetically spoken from the Lord, we're, we're, we're stepping out in faith by making steps, amen. I want you to lift your hands, your arms, your voice unto the Lord right now. We believe, God, we trust in you. Lift up your head to the Lord. We're talking to him. God, we believe in what you have told us. We are standing upon it. God, we're expecting it to happen. We're going to work and, and, and do our part. And we know God.